and that's it. We are live. So let's let's hear the intro, Mr. Duke, if you don't mind. Here we go. And now, the cleanest hour in podcasting. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Adam Duke, to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. For those of you who um, maybe watched this morning, you're not seeing double this, right? We're using we're doing two live events today. That's how that's how popular <laughs> double we feature. Are. Double feature. And I can't believe I finally got you back on the show. For those who don't know, if you don't recognize this beautiful man, can I call you a beautiful man? I believe so. <laughs> uh, Mr. Adam Duke and I started the Housekeepers podcast in 2007. Yeah, I think that's where we're tracking it. Right yeah, now. yeah, and we did it for six years, five years. We just Somewhere right in there. Long time, and yeah. we were we were partners in crime for a long time. And uh, he's been begging. I'm going to say it out loud. He has been begging to get the show back or at least get the, the secret tapes. I know the backlog tapes. They, they, it's like worse than trying to get on area 51. <laughs> I've got to, you know, I have every one of the episodes we've ever done. So have, you tell me all the time. I have hundreds of hours of this podcast and, um, I don't know. We should, I should make them all live. I should just make them all available. And then, uh, I don't know. Fall, let the chips fall where they may. Who knows? <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And I love that you did the intro because you always did the intro. You always hated how I did the intro. It's not true. It's not true. I didn't hate how you did it. I just always had to correct you because <laughs> you wouldn't pause where I needed you to pause. And now the cleanest hour in podcasting. This. See, the emphasis is going to be on this. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. I mean, that's nice. You did it really good today. So it is Just for you. I've been practicing this whole time while we haven't been doing it. <laughs> I was going to say, so all, we had to do is, all we had to do is take 10 years off. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mr. Duke. How are you? Everything's going well? Well, you know, you're the in a hotel room. That's all. You're in a hotel room on the road. Yes. The old living hotel room. The housekeeper's dream. The housekeeper's dream. The laundry dream right now. Do you remember, do you remember, like, let's go back because not everybody knows uh, your your story here. And I think it's so fun because when I met you, you were actually a driver for Schwann's, right? You were delivering food yes. out of a food truck, like a, one of those yeah. frozen food trucks, right? Yeah. Well, Schwann's ice cream is like, Famous. That's what everybody knows them for. Their I food is like was. secondary. Their ice cream's like the best ice cream ever. Now that ice cream's improved, you could get better. But before I, then, I thought they were known for like their TV dinners and frozen meats. And wasn't that well? Their vegetables back in the they sent you they sent you away to Swan School. You have to go for like Wait a uh, minute. you went to Swan School. Yeah, yeah, you have to go for a week, and they teach you that back before flash freezing was a thing. They teach you about how every little kernel of corn would go on a cookie sheet type thing, and they flash freeze it. Their fish was flash frozen right as it hits the dock, so it's the freshest you could ever get. Now you have multiple, multiple companies that do it, but back then they were the only company. They invented the propane engine for trucks with GE. You know, you had to learn all that stuff. Really. Yeah. 
I didn't know any of largest it. fleet of trucks, largest privately owned fleet of trucks in the United States, or were back then. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, and they started, you know, one guy making some milk and found some milk, made some ice cream in a car and drove it around, and then he made this. So and it can really? never be sold as far as I know. Like they made it so that the only the family can pretty much own it, but it can never be sold publicly. So it'll always be a private company. When when was it that you stopped working for them? Was that 2006, 2007? When, when was that? Yeah, it would have been 2006 because I would have left them to come to you. Yeah, you came to work for me directly. In yes. In October? No, 6606. We just had our anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about, you know, I've been working so many days straight. I didn't even think that, yeah. We missed it. It was four days I'm ago. I'm calling everyone. How come I didn't get a card in the mail? What? Prior to Swan, didn't you work? Didn't you? So one of the things that I remember most about you when we were interviewing you is how much diverse management training you've had. Because it feels like, I feel like you correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you've attended nearly every training session out there for for managers like Home Depot, Staples. Well, so Staples, I came up and that was pretty much a, they did have a slight process, but it was, it was, you know. You mean a management training process? Kind of. I mean, they basically taught you the things. They would go over your financials and they really drive home watching your, um, you know, your out of stocks, your, you know, watching price changes and stuff like that, moving your debt inventory that's sitting up that, you know, is going to go clearance, you know. So it wasn't so, you know, management wise, you didn't hire people so much because uh, I was more in the department head and then kind of in the management role. So I could open and close a store, stuff like that. Did you ever um, have to handle like employee relations, like write-ups, well, counseling, yes. in-services? Well, they didn't really, I mean, in-services, yeah, there were in-services now that I think about it. It's been so long. There were, I think they were kind of like movie type things. I can't remember. There wasn't a lot of them though. There That's really how wasn't. I got in-service at Burger King. If they sat me like down a, to watch a movie. It was on-job training mostly, and then, you know, every now and again there might be, you know, some call or something about sales. Because I went from, I went from furniture to office supplies, and then went to the copy center, and then went to when I moved stores. Went after that, I went to uh, business machines, and that's where I learned sales and add-on techniques and you know all that. Because that was the one place I didn't want to go because I wasn't sure about sales. You know, I just, you know, weren't sure if you're going to be good at it. You just weren't sure if it's something you wanted to do. Well, sales. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was good at it because I, you know, listen, if you come in looking for a piece of furniture, it's pretty, pretty it's an easy sale. Listen, if you don't make that, yeah, sale. you're already coming in for a desk and there's not many <laughs> back then, you know, back then we're talking 2001 to 2004. There's no, there was no real other competitors in at least Vermont where I was operating. And, um, so that was the number two store in America. It was in Burlington, Vermont. There was uh, the one in LA that ran 24 hours a day was the only one to beat them back then, back then. So, you know, you uh, going transitioning to sales was a whole nother thing because you weren't just trying to find a pen and I can special order it. I'm, you're not trying to just upsell somebody on the way to the paper. You're not just trying to upsell 
you know, oh, do you want a streamer? You need a stamp. Well, okay, well, you came here for a stamp anyway. <laughs> You're leaving yeah, with yeah. a stamp. There's not many metrics you can track that I can't I can't impact. But when you go to sales, cable, ink, ink printer. Uh, no, yeah, printer, and then uh, the service plan. It's definitely Yeah, it's got to be plan. like the insurance part. That's yeah, where, that where they make like the most so money. You always wanted everybody to walk out with those, and it was measurable. So you had to make sure all your employees were well-educated on how to slip it into the conversation. And then I went to Home Depot. Yeah. And so did you join the management training program at Home Depot? Now, Home Depot, Home Depot was unique, right? So it, they had staffing issues like we all do now, right? So when I applied... I, they didn't, uh, so I went in and there was a guy in front of me. We best became best friends later, Shane. And he went in first for his interview. I went in second. So he goes in first. He comes back out. He's like, oh, I went really well. Good luck. So I go in and he's like, I go over my interview, you know, my, my interview, my, my pass with staples, all that. He's like, oh man, he's like, you're a perfect candidate too. He's like, unfortunately, I just gave the full-time position to that guy. He's like, but, uh, you know, listen, if you're willing to start, I'll find you something. Now, to this day, it's probably one of my best jobs I've ever had. Really? He gave me, I was the guy, because the parking, well, they have them at all Home Depots. But this Home Depot was a little unique because if you all, if everybody remembers Ames, it was an old Ames building. So sure, okay. Ames department store. Yeah, well, you know, we're all out of business now, but and so the parking lot was actually slanted, and I was the cart guy, so I had to go get all the shopping carts. It was slanted those, away from the store or towards the store? Away, so it, oh, it makes you it terrible. Wind, you watch wind or something, get one of those flat orange trucks going. <laughs> wham! I mean, that would put a huge dent into cars. Oh my gosh! So I'd chase them all around. That was the best job ever. I love that. I was good at it, too. I think you're the only person I've ever heard who liked cart management. (laughs) Oh, cart management. And then it was loading management because they'd call you to help customers load. Oh. Oh, yeah. That was great. It was perfect. Nobody's going to be angry with you. You just, I'm helping you put stuff in your car. And I'm going to take your cart away so you don't have to go to the corral. (laughs) So I got out of the cart, right? They realized quite quickly that I was uh, probably, and I'm a little mischievous, so... They realized quite quickly that I probably could do something more. But they weren't sure what to do with me, which is usually true of all my managers. I was going to say, you just defined my whole life. I still don't know what to do with you. (laughs) You should ask my current boss. He has no (laughs) idea. So they created a position. It kind of existed, but it didn't exist. So they're like, okay, okay. So we can't make you a department head, but what about if we make you this at-home services guy? Now, this goes back to sales, which I did I did not like this job so much. So you, you don't like the cart greeter at, like, Walmart. Well, yeah. I was like, they didn't have one of those. But I had this little orange mobile bench-type unit with a sign on top that was stood behind me, right? And as you come in the door, I would have to be like, hey, would you like a free estimate to get a on your oh, room? you're one of those guys. Windows. Oh. And they had to generate these leads. And then the leads would, you know, and I was just trying to push it because it was a whole sales market they were trying to get into. Which the idea of it is very smart because they partner up with contractors, right, locally. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Guarantee the contractors the work, get the discount on the products mm-hmm. here with Home Depot, and then they get the whole mm-hmm. the whole part of the pie. So it was very profitable, but not a lot of people, you know. So I really I didn't like say, that. They still have those, and we avoid them like the plague. We see them yeah, yeah. like go this way, go this way. I'm like, we're not going to the paint aisle. Well, we're gonna go around the but window see, guy or the heater so, guy or the tile guy. Yeah. Good so Lord. The difference is. I technically didn't have a boss because you see at home services is a whole separate division. They work out of their trucks, like the actual people inspecting work sites and whatever. I'm just the lead generator in this store and the store management doesn't really get much from it either. So they don't even, they don't know what to do with that guy. Doesn't sound like a good position for you. You need oversight. I was, I was great. I was all over that store generating leads. (laughs) None of my fellow employees ever bought them, but I definitely was talking to them. <laughs> it was great. You were tra- you mean you were just smoking and joking with your friends? <laughs> yeah, I had no boss. So then, then that's when I got uh, I got put into um, well, it's twenty nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. The department numbers, I think it it's mill. Mill lumber milling and uh, I can't remember the third now. Anyway, it's impressive uh, you remember two of them. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I was dealt all. Of, I so I oversaw the three departments. So I had all the lumber, had to make sure it's stocked, ordered special. Then I oversaw like if you were ordering specialty windows, specialty you know all that kind of stuff. And then I oversaw like the roofing materials, all that kind of stuff, like tar and. Um, yeah, pretty much that was everything in that department. And that's where I first got into learning about managing people that were older than you. Because back then, I was still really young. Even though when I was a manager at Staples, I was young. I mean, Pete was already retired. And when come back to do the, the, come back to do the, the desk there for milling. So he was like a specialty guy. He was a carpenter and everything. You had to do anything. So, but he was cantankerous and did not like a younger person that is his boss, as you could imagine. So, you know, a lot of people have that problem. And not only do older people have a problem with a young person as their boss, but a lot of young people have a problem. It's challenging to manage somebody older than you. Yeah. I kind of just broke him down by sheer willpower of cracking (laughs) jokes and just never really backing down and you know whatever he'd say i'd come right back so we were good and he eventually taught me how to do everything i i knew nothing so one of the things that home depot taught me was about anything to do with that kind of thing because i had no idea about any of it like i didn't really know how to roof anything i didn't know much about lumber i definitely did not know anything about windows ordering windows anything to do with anything so I had to learn all of it. I had to learn it from everybody in the department. And then Home Depot, what they had is in the back room. They had this huge wall with like uh, dividers on it. And all the way down were pamphlets you could read. And it was to help you learn about everything that they had. And so you could you could get training hours and it would every time you turn one in that you had done it, you'd take a test and then you could get all these training hours. So I was like, I'm going to get all the training hours I can. So wait, wait, wait. Is that extra? Is that extra money? Uh, not particularly. It will come up. So what's the point of training hours then? Well, 
I think it, when you come up for raises and stuff, it could. It could impact it at that point. Going up for, for evaluations, you want more training yes. hours? Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, because so, Home, uh, Home Depot is pretty notorious for there's a top half and a bottom half, and the bottom half's got to go. So, yeah, well, uh, they have – yeah, they take everything into percentages. So, well, no, it, it isn't top half, bottom half. It's uh, broken into – I forget if it's 3%, top three, bottom three, and then you have your middles. And your middles have uh, – yeah, your middle. So as I remember, it's been a little while. So there's like this top percentage points that are going to get the top, the total 5% increase, right? And then you've got your middle people. You're on time. You do your job. You're not outstanding in any manner, but you're there, blah, blah, blah. And then you've had your people that maybe there's oh, the way the Home Depot operated again back then was there's always that employee. There's always somebody that just isn't meeting standards. We all have them. Home Depot, they forced all us department heads into a room. We had to fight for our own people. So you had to provide cases for everyone to get into their categories. And other department heads would be like, okay, well, are you aware that these are issues with that person that we've had you know, in our department or whatever if they've helped or something else? And so everybody's kind of – big you know, i don't even know how you want to describe it but and on the bottom percentage points that person's going to lose their job that's what i meant yeah like a there's a so there's a top getting the raise and the bottom is the other thing that's weird is now that i think about it back then you could um so kind of like a tattletale i guess you would say there was a binder in the back management office and I forget what the name of what they call it. So I saw Ralph Peterson take an extra five minutes on break, right? I could go to the back office, find your name. You'll have a name and a page and write the time, the date as a manager in there. Now, it's not a full write-up until there's too many of them from different managers, different times. It could equal a write-up. Now, you could do an offense that would get you a write-up right off. Wait, 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 wait. You're wait, not wait, even wait, aware wait, of it. Wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. Hold on. You're blowing my <laughs> mind here for a minute. Yeah. Are you when saying – think about it now. <laughs> are you – right? Are you saying – because there's a lot of people out to get me. No. Are you saying – is it because there's so many different supervisors or managers and they're all in different departments? And so one person is the manager, say, of the electrical department. Somebody's the manager of the plumbing department. Well, there's there's a general manager, there's an operations manager, and a sales manager. I eventually became the ops manager. But in this context, I was a department head. So I was 29, 30, and 31. All right. So department head, is that the person who can write down? Yes. Okay, and and so is there a department head per department? And so uh, I might, like I oversaw the front end too. So I also oversaw all the cashiers and stuff like that. But, yeah, but oh, like, that was later. And so yes, yeah, so there's somebody in gardening. There's somebody in electrical. Um, so um, plumbing was its own. Uh, then the three, the ones that I was in, was grouped together. So yeah, there's but, a few different ones. Yeah, but my question is: so let's say I'm in gardening. Like say I'm the department yep. head of gardening yep. and I know, but as I'm walking through doing something, I notice somebody on break longer, but they're in plumbing. Yep. That's where I would go and write down, Hey, I saw one of your employees kind of thing. You could you know, yep. on break because I wouldn't do it to my own employees. 
Because if I'm the department head in your mind, I'm just going to go get you. Isn't that accurate? Well, go get you and or you would write it there too. Listen, we were just writing all these different things down. Now that I look back on this, like when you bring it up, like from a from a management perspective, nowadays it's crazy. Like you would never do this, but back then it kind of worked. I wonder because, if they still are. Like what was what was the no, outcome? No, because I, I'd imagine they definitely got rid of it. So it was for minor infractions. You know what I mean? So like I was a department head and I asked you or I overheard you have a bad conversation with with a um, with a with a shopper or whatever. Obviously, I'll probably say something to you, but I'm going to go write it down. I'm not going to go to the manager, or I might mention it to the manager, but be like, hey, I just wrote the book. Listen, so-and-so was just like, yeah, you don't want to get products here. You should, you know, for instance, we had a, one of the biggest problems with our store was we were located in Vermont, and there was a store literally 15, 20 minutes away in Keene. So you can literally come shop with us and get all the customer service and then go buy it in New Hampshire, which is six, no sales tax. So a lot of times you'd hear over here, our employees going, well, you could just go to Keene and save the 5% sales tax. You know what I mean? Oh. And so obviously we were trying to stay alive because we were one of the smallest stores Home Depot would ever, ever had because we couldn't even get 16 foot lumber. You know, you couldn't get anything like that because it was too big to fit in the aim store. <laughs> so we were already at a disadvantage. So, you know, if you noticed an employee doing that, right. You'd be like, Hey, you know you're not supposed to make sure next time and then you go all back and be like hey so on the fifth now maybe you didn't do it the first time you don't have to do it nobody was saying you did but we would do it quite frequently um just go, you know if you're noticing these things it wasn't like there was tons of them all the time but that also helped us keep track of from different managers because i might be an electrical but get pulled over to gardening and i'm still expected to help that customer and you know do everything i can so you, the gardening supervisor might have interactions or whatever. And it, it wouldn't be that they could get in trouble for not selling correctly if they weren't in a different department. But, you know, just general issues. Lateness yes, parties. Let me, let me just ask you this. Because at first when you're talking about it, I feel like at first I was like, that sounds like the most ridiculous thing in the world. But as you're talking, I'm totally on board now. I kind of want to implement it. Because... Well, it helps you keep track of it. So the challenge that we have, I'm sure I'm going to speak for the both of us. One of the challenges that we have is our employees talking negatively about the job, about the facility, about the nursing home, about, you know, like this place, whatever, this place is not good. This place is not that we're always short staffed and we never, they never pay enough, whatever it is. Or, you know, if that employee, if, Oh, if I were trying to get away with that, right? Like they're talking negative about each other. Right. So then yep. there's that whole negative and we don't have any way currently to track that stuff. We try to catch it, stop it, have a conversation, but we're not then, tracking it at all. And then we just think of, Oh, that's the negative, negative employee. That's, yeah. you know, but, and then when they come to us for a raise or whatever, you know, yeah, you go and you look at your your attendance tracker. Did you get any write-ups? But you don't look at this because but, you're not tracking but, it. But what I'm saying is exactly. So this was kind of just tracking the small stuff. It wasn't for the big stuff. If you got a write-up. Now, now here was one of the things that was a little tricky on this. I'm trying to remember the exact rules of that book. If somebody, I think, got like four or five in the same category, it actually equaled a write-up. 
And they would then go and they would go to the book and they would write the four different dates, the four different times, go with the explanations, put it in the write up. And they would allow the employee to have a rebuttal. But they're like, listen, they're, hey, there's multiple department heads here. There's multiple dates. There's multiple. Now, if it was all different stuff, then probably it would come out during, you know, we took that book and we had the big powwow for everybody's raise. They did it by, I think, six months. If you were hired in the first six months, then you were reviewed at like July, right? And then if you were hired in the second six months, so we were only doing half the score at a time. And then you would take this book in with you <laughs> and somebody's fighting for Sally Sue. And you're like, well, Sally Sue's got half a page of granted small stuff, no write-ups, but you want her in the top 3%? No, no, no. My guy, look at this. No pages. Ah. He, deserves that raise. he deserves that raise. He has no write-ups. He has not done anything wrong. And, you know, he's excelling in my department. So, you know, and or there were other department heads that would stick up for him. Oh, yeah, no, he came to my department and helps too. You know, he does this, he does that. Well, and, that, you know, that's how come that book helped us kind of keep track in the back of our mind. You know, that stuff you kind of forget along the way. You're busy in the week. And it isn't like you were always running back to that office. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might miss a few. Well, who cares? I mean, it's just to I, help keep track of stuff. Do you know what, you know what you're... First of all, I think this is such a great idea. I think it's super smart. I really do, especially if there's not, it's kind of sounding non-punitive. As it's more of a tracking and more of a communication log between managers, between supervisors. It's and really if it got too much, then it would become a write-up. Yeah, yeah, of you course. Know. Of course. But of course, at that point, you want it to. And you already have the dates. Yeah. It's not like when you when you do the ECA or whatever we're calling it, write-ups now, whatever, employee corrective action, because we don't want to get too harsh. Is that what you're it. calling it now, an employee corrective action? Yes, because it's really too hard. Red to pen. A warning right. notice is much too harsh now. Oh, we much with, too harsh. We're just trying to help you correct your actions. I think write-ups <laughs> should be called warnings because they should only be giving when you're going, hey, listen, this is a warning. You're going to lose your job. <laughs> yeah. Not, hey, this is a corrective action. I mean, we're going to fire you, but it's a corrective. That's not. If you could just correct this one you thing, you're good to go. your attitude. Yeah. You know what? Um, I had, so I, again, I, I'm just thinking the onus is going to be on your management team to make good decisions. And how do you ensure that your management team are making good decisions and not being petty? And the answer is you don't, right? The answer is you have to put trust in your management team or they shouldn't be part of your management team. And I remember years and years ago, I was working for a sheet metal company and they were letting me go. And I could, I, I wanted to argue my case. I did not think for one second that I should be getting let go, uh, fired. Yeah, I tried to been fired a few times. So I, they were firing me and I wanted to put up a stink. Like it was legit not accurate. I mean, if you wanted to, if you wanted to lay me off or whatever, fine. You don't want to work with me, fine. But to fire me, there was, I, there was no, there was, it, it just wasn't right. And right. I remember the owner. So I go to plead my case. I'm like, this is absolutely not right. He goes, listen, I have to believe my manager. And I was like, why? And he goes, because I have no choice. And I remember leaving completely understanding what he meant. I was like, you really don't have a choice. You either believe your managers or you don't need them as a manager. And so even though I didn't think the manager was right, 
I understood the owner. I understood his position. He had no choice. He has to believe their manager. I'm like, all right. Well, and the other thing is, is that was weird back then. They've since gotten rid of it. Is we had HR in every building. It was We're kind of rid of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they brought it in because there was a lot of lawsuits before my time at Home Depot. There was a lot, a lot of lawsuits. I don't know what it was pertaining to anymore, but they had to put an HR in every building. And it was a high-paid position. It was basically paid like a sales and operations manager. So we're not talking small money. Um, and they put one in in every building. So that you always had a review process. But I'm, I'm, And they wouldn't just, like, if you go to that book and there's one manager writing down the same employee 15 times, then it doesn't count because you're only having one manager. And you're seeing right. it could also be like a targeting thing. Like you wouldn't exactly. want to bring that up anyway. So you're, you're looking because you're looking mainly because a lot of the tic-tac stuff, right, would come up in that, are they an average worker, right? Now, I think in the average, okay, so I'm pretty sure you had a certain percentage that were going to get 5%. And then like you're, you're, you're going to have a certain percentage in 3%, right? Your, your majority, it was like almost all of them. We're going to fit there, but you could fight to get them like four or two, I think. So you'd kind of move them up and down and would put them into those categories. And I forget the percentages, but there was a percentage of four. It was like your next category that was smaller. And then it was the next category, the, the lower category could have more, but usually didn't. And then the three percenters were your averages, your full average, but that average category actually encompassed four and three. 4% down to 2%. And then, of course, the 1% were going to be fired. They would mm -hmm. be, after that meeting we had with all the managers, they would be brought into their office for their evaluation. If you were the department head, you had to write it all up and basically sit there with HR and say, so basically, we're you. if you had enough already, you would term them then, right then. Right then after the evaluation, you would pull them in with their evaluation and fire them. Okay. <laughs> That was it. You already had probably had a write-up or two or something, you know? Yeah. And the evaluation just nailed the coffin. Or you were given something. I don't remember how much time they gave you, but it was like 30 days or something, if that. And basically, it really wasn't going to matter. Your evaluation was in. We'll give you 30 days. And if you somehow become a rock star, maybe. But at that point, you have so much on you and against you that there's unless you really want that job and you're not turning it around. You're, you're going to be gone. And it's kind of spelled out and given to you in that manner. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you're, you are the 1%, the bottom <laughs> 1%, you know? So, all right, hold on. Let's, let's pause for a second because talking to you right now and I, listen, we talk all the time, right? Yeah. But talking to you right now, especially talking about, this is totally bringing me back to the time that I first met you. We're at a hotel sitting in a front lobby and we're interviewing you and you are going deep. I mean, you're pulling out percentages. You're talking about employee engagement. You're talking about tracking employees. You're talking about hiring, firing, write-ups. You're talking about losses in, 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 in stores and sales. You're, you're, you're impressive. And you, I, so listening to you now reminds me, of when I first met you and why I so bad wanted to hire you. Like I couldn't wait for you to come to work for me. Why the hell, pardon my language. Why the heck did you want to work for me? Like why you, you see, I have all this experience. 
all this store experience, your stores, you were running a Schwann's truck. Why housekeeping? What was the attraction for you? Was well, it money? Like, were we paying you so much? No, we were not paying you a lot of money. <laughs> no. So there was a couple different reasons. I, I kind of was getting out of where I was. There was, there was, there was that. I was looking for a new opportunity. Um, because what was more attractive about housekeeping to you? That's what I want to know. Well, it wasn't so much about housekeeping. So I knew nothing about cleaning. Zero. I I had no idea. Yeah. Zero, zero. Yeah. And Which is exactly how we want you, by the way. <laughs> and it was management. It was management. And of course, yeah. you know, the ads are always great. Um, so I was like, well, I could do management. I don't, you know, it can't be too, too difficult. I mean, it's housekeeping management, right? So Sounds easy. Sounds super easy. Yeah, so that was pretty much, and it was going to, the, the position was going to actually be relatively close to where I live. Oh, that's like good, okay. 15, 20. And, you know, it was this growth opportunity, you know, like you could become a manager and then you could possibly move up from there and, you know, keep going. And I'm like, okay, you know, because when it, when you're in Home Depot, although I was on that program to, to become a store manager eventually, manage the the store would probably not be near me right like i would have to move and then move you they pay for your moving expenses gm could be anywhere in the country there. right well no they'll keep you geographically somewhere but they'll oh. the, the position they could offer you california i mean they could yeah. and i live in new hampshire so but of course they also and again this is 15 20 years ago but they took care of their managers too i mean you're talking to gm back then was over a hundred thousand. So you're talking decent money and they're going to move you pay for your, you know, they did yeah. do a lot of that stuff, but it was a crapshoot. I mean, honestly, cause who knows? So to have something that would have multiple facilities in your area that you could move up in. Okay. You know, staples would have been the same type of thing again, where are they open another staple store? Cause most GMs aren't leaving. Those were really good paid positions back then. So why not? So it wasn't cleaning. It was just the management aspect of it. Yeah, it was I management. appreciate that. It was I management. Did the same thing. I did the same thing. I answered a blind ad for managers and didn't find out it was for housekeeping until I'd already accepted the job. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't really go into, we, you know, when we were discussing the position, it wasn't so much focused even on the housekeeping. You know, we were yeah. talking about more of what I had done and everything else. They kind of glanced over, you know, we're going to go through a program similar, you know, like we're going to show you housekeeping and we'll show you the floor tech position and we'll show you this. And then you'll be a manager. And, of course, at that at that point in time in, our, in, in the company, uh, there was a lot of open management positions. So it wasn't like today – we're like, I have a lot of my positions filled and I'm going to bring somebody in. I'll be like, yeah, you're going to do, you know, housekeeping, laundry and this. And then you'll stay in a working role until I have a facility and you'll be an assistant manager. You know, it wasn't one of those. Yeah, it, it was, was. We need you in a management position right away. And so yeah, it's a, you had a facility that you couldn't be at and you needed a manager like yesterday. And so I basically was near there and it was basically, oh yeah, here you go. <laughs> so, so 15 years ago, we meet you in a hotel. And the reason we meet you in a hotel is because 
the position requires a lot of travel housekeeping when you're in multiple facilities there's night projects there's staffing issues there's distance between your house and the building you have to be at the first thing in the morning and so there's a lot of overnight travel so here it is 15 years later you're in a hotel <laughs> well this isn't what's supposed to happen this is not what's supposed to happen so my question to you now is why have you stayed Tell me you have fallen in love with housekeeping. Is that what it is? Um, I would say, I don't know that I ever fell fully in love with it, but it did have some good times. Uh, I don't think that those times have been in probably in the last five to seven, six years. I mean, it's been, it's been rougher. I mean, all across any management board. I remember... I remember back in the day when I was the, well, they didn't call it DTM back then, but uh, district training manager. Um, so you were training to become a DM. I was up in Vermont and Burlington and we were identifying people that were, you know, we call them diamonds in the rough that no management experience. And they were just basically coming in before tax or whatever. Of course, we're trying find to find these people and we would then start giving them management lessons and, you know, how to handle different situations. Do that's all how we stuff. started the show. I mean, if you remember, Titus on, we've had, uh, I don't know if we had Nate on. Did we have Nate on? Yeah, we had Nate on. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. had Nate on. So like, you know, those guys, we identified them, found them and, and, and then they became managers in their own right. Right. And that was kind of the, the, probably the, the pinnacle of the positions and, and and stuff and then you know when i did become a district manager there were there were definitely times that i found people and that were you know maybe not exactly managers and help be, make them become managers and that was kind of exciting as well but since then it's uh just uh it's been rough i i don't think it's just my industry you look at anybody I look at the hotel here i was a couple weeks ago i was talking to them and the the, the literally the housekeeping manager I, I don't even think he's here anymore i think he quit but um i haven't seen him so i'm thinking he quit so <laughs> he was just like yeah you know staffing and this and that can't find anybody nobody's reliable and he's like look i'm cleaning all the rooms today there's nobody it's me you know and well i guess it's not him anymore <laughs> i don't you know it's just rough i don't think it's just in the in my industry but it's it's definitely predominant i think that i too have stayed in housekeeping for the same reason uh, of course i've now transitioned into the training role so i'm an educator full time but it's it's the funnest part of the job it's finding a, a super worker and helping them become a supervisor it's the yeah. funnest most rewarding and it's where i grew up you know i didn't i didn't um I, I've been same thing with you. Like I've had so many different management positions, didn't do well, didn't do well, didn't do well. And then, you know, got into housekeeping management and I kind of found a home. I, I found a place where I could fail and not get fired. Right. So that's <laughs> that. Listen, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Too many, you know, you remember that, you know, that whole adage, you know, how the whole adage where you have to out, if you don't like your boss, just wait. Cause you have to outlast your boss. You heard that whole adage, right? I'm not going to say the crass outlast or whatever, but I've been thinking about that lately. That really is like that. That's that's kind of 
indicative to management because it shows how challenging it is to be a manager. Anybody could be an employee. You see employees that are, that are employees for 30 years in the same facility, the same job. You don't, it's hard to find a manager for 30 years doing the same job in the same position because it's 10 times harder. It's 10 times harder. No, it's I agree. More, it's way more backstabbing. You get stabbed by everybody, you know, like, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, I, I, we, I have seen some longer lasting housekeeping managers, you know, the ones that surprise me the most that I just, it blows my mind because I obviously they're, they're in the same facilities that I am, but like dietary managers, you can't seem to find a building out there that the dietary man, it's almost like eventually the building turns on their food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They've been when they first come in, they're the hero, almost like housekeeping, right? When you're the new yeah. manager, you're you get that brief period where nobody's going to pick on you because you're the new guy, and then it seems like you're making all these strides, doing so good, and you're a rock star. That may last as long as you know, who knows, six months, a year, maybe. But like dietary managers, it seems like the prevailing winds change so quickly, like they're making all this food that we've always wanted. Six months later, they're about to be strung up and tarred and feathered. You're like, what? <laughs> and they're gone. And you see a new person. And then they're doing good. And they're gone. It's like, that's why when they ever said, hey, would you ever look at going into a dietary management? I'm like, you can't win in dietary. It doesn't look like a fun industry. I didn't add enough salt. I added too much salt. It's too hot. It's too cold. <laughs> at least 50% of the building is not going to like your food. Who wants to come in with a 50% failure rate every day of your life? Yeah. That's three times a day. Three times a day you can fail. Yeah. You, you know, and that's, and that again is, you know, I, I appreciate how you're putting it on dietary, but I see that in housekeeping as well, where, you know, hey, um, you didn't clean the building today. No, I, I know, but I'm, I usually have eight people and today I had me. And so I don't yeah. know if, you, if you've ever tried to clean a building with one person when you're supposed to have eight people, but it's a little bit of a challenge, you know, but yeah. nobody is giving breaks. Nobody, every, again, it just, you know, not to sit here and a woe is me because, you know, I'm in management. That's not what I'm trying to say, but there is, there is, when you decide, when you are like, listen, I'll be responsible. People take that serious of you. And they're like, well, then you're responsible for it all. And if it fails, that means you failed. And so you have to, you're out yep. with the bathwater. And it's like, they're churning managers. I see it all the time. You know where I see it as well is with administrators. You see administrators getting turned over. I mean, That seems to be lot. a new phenomenon. Yeah, that's a new phenomenon. Because there used to be administrators, well, you and I know, the, the whole area we were in, they really didn't turn that much. I mean, they might yeah, move here and there. there. Yeah. But overall at least four to five years minimum or more. Yeah. yeah. And now you, you, you'll see a lot of changes. And I just saw, I think we saw the final transitions of administrators, the old school administrators. Like I've lost all of them out of my area now. The last one just left. And, you know, it was too bad too. Cause he was a great guy and you'd go talk to him and he had just this perspective. I mean, he'd been doing, it. he was like 72 and he had been doing it forever. And it, you know, that whole way of thinking that we kind of came up in, it, you know, yeah. that was his mentality. And, uh, you know, now it's just, uh, told it's totally different in the whole field, but yeah, there's a lot of, you know, younger administrators that are just taking over the roles and they're just, it's just totally different. 
And they're, I mean, I'm not going to speak for administrators, but I know it's for housekeeping at least. People don't let us fail. Like they, if you fail one or two days in a row to get staff in or to get something, you know, we chose wrong. You're not a good manager. No, I'm not superhuman. All right. I'm not, right. I'm not a superhero. I, I want to have a cape. I keep threatening my wife. I'm going to get a cape. She'll know I'll parade around here in a cape, but, <laughs> but I'm not a superhero. You know, I can't leave tall buildings in a single bound. And sometimes I think that's what the challenge is. People expect managers to be these all seeing, all knowing, all doing. I think it matters. I, I think it matters. You know, listen, some of my, my more successful managers are the ones that can play the game. Right. And we all know the game. The game is you got to be in the circles. You got to be in, you got to, you obviously have to do a good job, but, and you got to have already established the relationships pretty much throughout most of the building. And there are facilities and there are managers. I mean, you know, uh, department heads in different buildings that you just will not be able to get the game, you know, just out of the gate, there is those, but there, there, they are fewer between than most would think. The game is you got to get in with the administrator, you got to get in with the DON, you got to whatever it takes, right? Like they like crocheting, you better go out to a store and figure it out. Doesn't mean you have to keep doing it all the time, but you better know what the hell a look, loop and hook and yeah. But that's not always easy. I have I have had situations not. where I know where I need to try to get in with the HR director. In the HR director, I know a building, a nursing home, where the HR director is more powerful than the owner. Yeah. More powerful, more powerful than anybody. She makes all the decisions. People don't know she's making the decisions. It's not like she stands on the desk and like, it's my home and I'll make the decisions. But behind the scenes, she is forgetting paperwork on purpose or streamlining paperwork on purpose. Getting yeah. this person hired or not getting that person hired. You know what I mean? Like she is legit pulling all the strings. I, I couldn't get with her. I couldn't get on her good sides if I paid her every day. If I gave her my paycheck, I couldn't, you know, just. Yeah, but that just means that that's not a facility for you. Well, that's fair. The whole. The well, whole no, no, no. no. What, I mean by that, what I mean by that is by like, like if I had a manager, it, it actually has happened. It, it just happened to me. Right. Like I, I just had to move this guy. Tons of experience usually goes into buildings and their wow factor. Him and this one administrator. <laughs> just just butted heads. It did not work. He could not figure out, and he's like, I know how to play the game, and I cannot get in there. He's like, I can't. So I move him to a different building, right? And literally, the new the new administrator, D.O.N., super happy. He's making all the changes, doing everything correct. Love them. And then the company needs to then rearrange administrators. And I'm telling oh, yeah. you, four months later... The other administrator from that other building moves to this building. Literally three weeks later, the complaints start again. We I, just went from fantastic to this. In three weeks? How does that happen? And it's because it did not fit. His style, her style did not go together. It could not go together. And he had not finished fixing the building because he took it over in a condition needed to be fixed. So then obviously she's like, Oh, well, this is just him again. And it wasn't even him. And so then I had to move him out of there again. Now he's happy. He's running something else. And he's it doing great. It, it reminds me. And I know that you've heard me tell this story before, but it reminds me of that piece of paper, right? There's a, there's a piece of paper on the floor and nobody yep. ever asks who put it there. 
Nobody asks how it got there. Nobody asks how long it's been there. Nobody asks who dropped it. Nobody asks what it's made of. But if you're walking with the administrator or somebody who doesn't have a good relationship with the housekeeping manager, they'll point at that piece of paper and they'll say, see, this is what I mean. I can't even get this housekeeping manager to get this piece of paper picked up. I mean, it's right out here in the open. I mean, look at it. It's in the middle of the hallway, this piece of paper. And then you turn around and you get him a new manager and it's somebody that they like. And you go out in the same unit and poof, oh, my God, there's another piece of paper on the floor. No, it's the and same piece know, of paper. It's the same piece of paper. We don't know who dropped it. We don't know how long it's been there. We don't know what it's made of. And I'm like bracing myself. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry about that piece of paper. And the administrator says, oh, don't worry. That must mean the housing manager hasn't gotten up here yet. It's totally fine. They'll totally get it. It's the same piece of paper. It's, like, what it's, are you a, it's about? literally the same piece of paper. It's and they're like, no, no, no. It came out of my pocket. Don't you blame them. It's out of my pocket. Like, I I'm dropped it. With it's you. my bad. That's my I'm bad. I'm walking with you. It couldn't have come out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and that's what I mean, though. So, like, if, you, if you're, you know, part of the – I mean, part of a manager is finding a building where they fit, right? And if you're, I think if you're a decent manager with good outgoing skills, you can fit into a lot of different scenarios in buildings. You may have to change yourself a little, but hey, that's work. And then, so that those call-outs, you should have a buy-in, right? Like, I grant you, five days of no staff, it doesn't matter how much buy-in you have, you're going to be spoken to. But I think if you have enough buy-in, you can make it. A couple days. So if you're getting, if it's the first day you're short and you're getting talked to, you know that your game is not on point. You better start. <laughs> you better pick it up because you are one day short and they're going to start with you. Then you know you're not as safe as you should be. So there's a there's a guy who I absolutely love named Jocko Willink. I'm going to talk to you about who Jocko is. Navy SEAL. He does a lot of leadership yeah. training. Yeah. He talks about. He's written a bunch of books. He talks about. So two things. One, he talks about leadership capital, which is something that it's very hard to obtain and very easy to spend. And so it's like it's like one of those situations where you work, you have to work twice as hard to, to earn leadership capital. And then one the smallest thing and you just spent it all. It's like you have a pocket with a hole in it. You know what I mean? Like every time you're putting your leadership well, capital like in. It's like that piece of paper, right? Exactly. You so to, you're walking with the administrator. You're the manager. And you work so hard. And you're like, and she sees a piece of paper. And she's like, has that been there more than I'm? And you're like, and you've got enough capital. And you're enough to spend. You're like, I'm spending it. Today's the day I'm using it. And you're like, poof, no. I saw that that was just there. <laughs> you know, um, and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. But you just spend it all. Because the next time she comes by... That's never going to work again. And That's you just, right. You just use it all in one shot. That's that right. One. So, so I was just listening to him, and he was talking about how to earn leadership capital. So I, I know how to spend it. I mean, it's listen. I spend it accidentally. I spend it. I'm shopping really. with it all the time. I'm, just, I'm oh, shopping man. with it like I have it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible. But so he's talking about how to earn it, and it was super interesting because he gave it to me in a way that I could understand. He said. Every time you have an interaction, every time you have an interaction with your staff, with a customer, with your boss, that is an opportunity for you to build a relationship, uh, earn more leadership capital. So every time I see you, I have a small window, a small opportunity to earn more leadership capital. And it might simply be, morning, Adam. Hey, I'll see you later. Hey, do you need something? 
hey, can I get you something? Right. Every time I saw, I see you, I have the ability. If every time I see you, I try to continue building our relationship. I'm. That is another way of saying I'm trying to earn more leadership capital. So if okay. I, so if every time I'm befriending you, every time you and I are in good rapport, every time I see you, I'm happy to see you. I'm excited to see you. I shake your hand. I look you in the eye. I ask about how you're, you're doing, your wife's doing, your mom and dad are doing. Every time I do that, I'm building a relationship with you. I'm earning more leadership capital so that at the end of the month, week, year, if I need something, you're going to give it to me because I've never come to you with requests. That's that's spending leadership capital. Instead, I've always come as a giver, as a as a contributor, as a caring person, wanting right. to be part of your part of your sphere, your you know life in some sense. And so when I'm like, hey, I need a favor, you're quick and easy to give it to me because I built up that relationship. I.e., right. I've built up that treasure chest of leadership capital. I think it's so such an interesting way of putting it because then, from a management point of view. The only currency employees care about, other than the dollars in their pocket, I, I'll put that aside. I know that's the number one. <laughs> no, no, no. I love how once they tried to convince us that it wasn't about wages, that the top five reasons that people stay with companies or, or don't have issues, or I forget what it was about, but wages didn't even come up until like the fifth item. I'm like, you, you know, stop it. You, yeah, but you know that is true. That is true. But no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm on your side. See, you're already, you're already going to bark at me. I'm on your side. That is true. That when they do surveys and they talk about employee engagement, it's an engagement employee engagement survey. When they talk about what's the most important to them, money is not listed in the top. It's not listed first or second, right? At the same time, the people who are filling out those surveys are not people who are working in this type of industry, paycheck to paycheck, minimum wage at the lowest echelon, right? We're not even giving those surveys out to those people. When's the last time you surveyed your staff asking them what it is that they want most in life? Oh, you remember? Yeah, you haven't. That's right. You haven't given no, them. No, no, no. Do you remember? We're not surveying them. In Burlington, the company no longer does nursing homes. Okay. Kindred did every single employee, every single, every department. All right. Even though I worked for an outsourced company, our department still had to fill out all the surveys. Okay. It was a long survey. It was like two, three pages. It was a ton of stuff. Yeah. So it was a customer satisfaction survey. It was about employee engagement. It was about how do you feel your bosses are. It was how do the facility is. It was like a ton and ton of stuff. Yeah. And then we had to review all the charts and graphs that came in. So technically, they are giving those surveys out. I don't know if they went to those types of. I'll surveys. tell you, it's not normal. You're not normally no, surveying your housekeeping staff on engagement and then coming back and saying, you know what? When we asked them what they wanted, they said cupcakes. They didn't say anything about money. It's just not accurate. Yeah. They, well, and if they do choose cupcakes instead of money, it's because they don't think money's an option. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you must not be asking me if I want more money. You must be asking if I want a pizza party. That yeah. must be that question. You wouldn't ask me what I really want because what I really want is to be home and get paid. You know, what I really want is 2021. <laughs> I can go home and make more money. Right. 
So I agree. I agree that um, when if you were to ask me what motivates me, money motivates me. But I also want time with family. I want, you know, other things are also equally motivating. But I would never put in my head that you're asking me, do I want more money? Because that just seems like a given, which is why I don't think that's ever put in the top one or two categories because I think that most people either think that they've they're fairly paid or they're paid the most they're going to get paid regardless. So if I just put down money, I'm not going to get listened to. I think I think that's changed recently. Well, I wouldn't say recently. I would say the last four or five years, almost. Be, so we have to do something called small group meetings, right? You have to you have to go into a facility. And you have to gather everybody together and kick. The I band. like small group meetings. It's like a little huddle. You should be doing that every day. No, 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 no. So once a month, you have to go in. As once a month, but as a district manager. Oh, okay, all right. So, but managers should be meeting with their staff on a regular. Yeah, yeah. Well, the manager it should be. Yeah. So I come in, I go, I find the staff, right? I get them all together in a room, and I kick the manager out, and I go, "All right, so tell me things that you would like us to try and work on." Now, the this is supposed to help for work processes, right? So, like, well, we really, you know, why are you kicking work? the manager out? I don't understand. Because we're afraid. Well, because if there if if there are issues with the manager, then they could bring it up in this setting as well. Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything? And of all of a sudden, they're like, "Why does the manager come in late?" Okay, is anybody else? Is this? But usually, because we want them to answer honestly. So you want them to talk negatively about the manager behind the it's, manager's back? No, it's not about the manager. We're not there for that. Then why but isn't I the do, manager in the room? I don't like this at all. Well, because if they do have issues for the manager, you're, right, inviting, you're inviting if they do have issues for the manager that they bring it up in a group setting? Or if they bring it up, I usually don't have, I've never really had it happen with the manager. Uh, like they're all, like they're having anything to say about Who the Who came up with this idea? Like it. So the first thing is, is like, it's basically what could we do to help improve your, your work, you know? And so that's yeah, where this. Hold on. I, and I apologize. I'm going to be a big pain in your butt. Uh, when do you have group meetings with your managers and say, Hey, what can we do about how terrible your staff are? No. Cause we are, well, we oh, talk how, dare you? how dare you talk negatively about staff staff are the greatest thing to slice bread. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm so, already mad. So they, you know, like, oh, this podcast. We gotta go. I'm not going to listen to this garbage. No, I'm kidding. What? <laughs> the springs in the laundry cart are gone. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, well, let me take a well, review. Why can't the manager be involved in that question? Because the manager might have an answer for that. Well, because they may have brought it up to the manager several times and the manager forgets to pass it on. The manager forgets to address it, whatever. But what we're trying to circumvent is HR calls or anything else. So they put me in as kind of like a, let's get to the root of a problem before we have problems building that maybe a manager's tamping down saying, you know, Oh, well we can, we don't have any money for, you know, laundry springs. Or you don't whatever. have money for laundry springs. That's an accurate assessment. Who's got money for don't. laundry spring? Nobody. Of course you do. Oh, please. You don't, you don't want, you don't want a, a hurt person. Housekeepers podcast. This has been Adam Duke making <laughs> excuses why he's running down the management team. I don't like it at all. Make any sense to me? Well, I don't like doing them, but I have to do it. I think you should treat your managers better. If you treated your managers better, I maybe paid them more. Maybe 
had them have some commiseration sessions so they could talk about how terrible or challenging it is from their point of view. I think you'd have happier staff. We have district meetings. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. So you are getting your managers together. Yeah, we have district meetings. We don't, we don't, well, with COVID, we do it by Zoom. Well, now by Zoom, but uh, all right. Remember, I took, well, you were around, but I took them all out to a buffet once. That was great. Got the whole side room, much as you could eat. Cheap, so I could, we didn't blow the company budget. <laughs> See, that's what I mean, company budget. When you're talking about company budget, you can't be talking about springs for a laundry bag. Listen. You know, honestly, a lot of those things have gone away. Like, we, if, if it has to do with safety, if it has to do with equipment now, it's like, get it done. We don't want to hear about it. Get Order the springs. Get it Listen, done now. I can, I can make everything about two things. I'm an expert. I've been managing in long-term care for a long time. I'm an expert at making everything about two things. One, resident dignity. So once yeah. I throw the word dignity in, we got to get this. Hey, get dignity, dignity, and safety. Those are the two words. That's not yep. safe. You know, if somebody slips on the banana peel going down the stairs, I mean, I don't know, safety. And then there's blood and then somebody's going to see it. That's a dignity issue. Nobody wants to be seeing blood. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can make anything about dignity and safety. Mr. Duke, this has been a wonderful experience. You are a joy. They're <laughs> lucky to have you. Who do I talk to to get you a raise? Right. Housekeepers podcast. Adam Duke is not getting a raise. No. <laughs> uh, thank you, really, sincerely, so much. No, thank you. I got to have you on again. I love this little memory trip down, you know, a uh, road trip down memory lane, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> it's a long day. Is today Thursday? I don't even know. It is. So it day is. It twelve is. in a row. So yeah. Day you're working twelve days in a row. Well, what seven was Monday. So eight, nine, I guess this is day 10 and I work through till the end of next week, at least. Or and, you're, and, you're, and you're working because you're, you don't have any staff. Yeah, me and the manager tomorrow. And you don't have any staff. I tell you, I had a guy on the show from India. And when I asked him if he had staffing issues, he said, <laughs> why would I? I was like, that's fair. I said, I'm moving to India. <laughs> where they don't have staffing issues. I'm ready to go. Put me up in a hotel over there. I know. I know. Actually, they have some gorgeous hotels in India. You'd be so lucky to work in one of those places. I mean, that's true. Taj, Taj hotels is like the largest hotel chain in India. And you should just look it up. Just go to like, just do a Google search on Taj hotels. Those places are amazing. They have like moats, you know, like little rivers around them. And, swans inside the bill. It's crazy. It's crazy. Those places are really awesome. Anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you. That's it. Housekeepers podcast.